Yesterday was November 11th, Veterans Day, and uh, we want to take a moment this morning to just pause and say thank you. If you're a veteran who served in any of our armed forces, that video is for you, that we truly are thankful for your selflessness, for your courage, your dedication, and, and we literally are, are being able to worship here freely on a Sunday morning because of men and women like you who've served to protect that freedom. So if you've served, would you mind please standing so that we can honor you this morning, please? Thank you. Thank you for your service. As we're now in uh, the second week of November, we're in a series uh, that we started last week called Thrive. Thriving through Thanksgiving. Try to say that 10 times fast. Uh, thriving through Thanksgiving. And we're, we're really uh, looking, what we're looking at is we're looking at four gifts, four blessings that God has given us so that we can thrive through any season of life, not just survive. Last week, we looked at the power of community that God has given us, a place in the body of Christ. And today, we're going to look at worship. And I've invited our student discipleship pastor, Eli Garza, to bring this message today. You guys know Eli. Uh, he is not only a great student uh, discipleship pastor, Pastor, but he's also a gifted worship leader. He's passionate about worship, not just in music, but in our way of life. So I trust you'll be blessed and challenged by the message today. So thanks, Eli. Thanks, Pastor. Well, good morning. Okay, I'm gonna try that one more time. Hold on. Well, good morning. Oh, I love it. That's much better. I, I, I like feedback. I like to make sure that people are in the room uh, because we, we get to do something very special. We get to read God's word this morning. And we don't want to take that for granted. I think it's important for us to always remember how important and blessed we are. We thank you again to the veterans that allow us to do things like this, to actually read our Bibles open in the public, the freedom that we have to stand before people and to just declare the truth, which is the word of God. I'm so excited to be with you this morning. As Pastor David mentioned, I am our student discipleship pastor for students, seventh through 12th grade in our college and young adults. And I, I love Calvary. I love our church. And we're very blessed to be a part of something that I believe God is, is using in many ways and has used for many years to continue to just uh, see him move through our church and, and reach our communities, the nation and the world. And today, this morning, we're talking about the, the power of, of worship, the sustaining power of worship. I love last week that we started off with community because that's what it's all about. It's, it's important for us to remember that what we're doing here, what we're doing right now is very special and something that was given to us by God and, and something that would bless us, that will continue to bless us as we walk in that in obedience, as we gather together as friends, brothers and sisters in community. But this morning, we're talking about worship. And, and one of the things that I love about worship that is so much more than a song, so much more than just singing on a Sunday, um, it's, it's the way that we live. And this morning, I want us to continue our attitude and our posture of worship through the reading of Scripture and, and the reverence that we have towards our God as we read Scripture. So we're going to do what we did last week. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read God's Word together. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 20. And, and we do this as a means just to recognize that, that this is God's word, that it's special, it's holy, it's powerful. And we are to revere his word and, and be glad and rejoice that we have this in our midst. So let me read to us from, from the word of God in Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse 15. It says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, 
But understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the Word of God. You may be seated. Thank you so much for that. I have a question for us. Uh, You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that, but just out of curiosity, just think amongst yourself, how many of you think that you have some really good habits in your life, right? Maybe that may mean that you have a good habit of going to the gym, exercising. You have a good habit, people laugh like, yeah, that's not me. Uh, You have a good habit of of, of eating well, or maybe you have a good habit of reading, Whatever whatever it may B, you know, some of us can say, yeah, I have some good habits. Now, how many of us would say that we have really bad habits, right? That's something that we probably won't want to admit all the time. But I do believe that there are a lot of us, including myself, that have bad habits. But regardless of whether or not they're good or bad, the point is, is that habits come out of something. Sometimes habits come out of not even paying attention and we realize, oh, yeah, I do this all the time. But sometimes habits come out of intentional walking or intentional steps that we take to develop a new habit or to try to stop a bad habit. For example, um, this past week, you know, last Sunday we had daylight savings time. We, we turned the clock back an hour. A lot of you were here really early, which was really good in a way, or maybe you just forgot to, to, to know that it was daylight savings. But you had an opportunity to do something with this, right? We woke up an extra hour early and our bodies are saying that it's seven o'clock, but really uh, it's, it's 6 a.m. And you're like, oh my gosh, I woke up early on my, and you feel good for a moment. You're like, I woke up extra early and this and that. And, and you had a really important decision to make. You either were going to take this moment and take this hour and say, I'm going to get ahead of the ball here and I'm going to just use it. And you know what? I'm going to go outside for a walk. I'm going to read. I'm going to prepare my wife coffee. I'm going to prepare my husband breakfast, whatever it may be. You said this could be the moment that I'm going to I'm going to change things. Right. My wife and I said, hey, we're going to start walking our dogs extra early. Like, let's get them out there. Let's make sure that they're walked and, and taken care of. And, and, and the thing is, though, some of us decided to do what my wife and I decided to do and, and woke up Monday morning saying, man, this bed feels extra comfy right now. I don't know uh, if I'm going to get up from this. And, and instead of getting up and taking advantage, we, we hit the snooze button and say, yeah, we're going to get an extra hour of sleep. That's what we'd rather do, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying that to make you feel bad or, or, or whatever. I'm just letting you know that habits take time. Habits take time developing and take time ending. In fact, a lot of experts would say that it takes a 18, anywhere from 18 to 60 days to develop a new habit or to stop a bad habit. But the key thing is consistency. Okay. I wasn't just going to fool myself and wake up on Monday morning saying, okay, from now on every day, I'm going to start walking with my dogs. No, no, no. I didn't have that habit beforehand. So what makes me think that I'm going to do it right now? Right? It's developed over time. And the key aspect is consistency. When you go to the gym, you're not going to get ripped in one day after five hours. You'll probably die. Right? But it takes years. Some of the most, you know, extraordinary athletes have taken them years to get to the physical fitness that they're at. It takes consistency. And and here's what I believe God is calling us to remind ourselves of this morning is that worship needs to be consistent. Worship is so much more than what we do on a Sunday morning, that worship is constant. True worship is 
constant. In fact, you see in Ephesians chapter 5, the very first verse he says, in verse 15 he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. What we see here is Paul is shifting the mindsets of, of the believers into an expectant way of living. Because from chapters one and four, he is telling this church of who they are now in Christ and their identity and, and how God has redeemed them. and They're no longer slaves to sin, right? But now he's saying because of this, in chapter five, he, he takes a turn and he says, but because of this, this is how you are to live consistently. And the way that you live consistently, the way that you experience true worship is by doing it constantly. See, God has given us the gift of time. And he warns us here that we need to make most of every opportunity. If we are not good stewards of our time, if we don't manage our time wisely, there are opportunities for things to go really bad. There are opportunities for the enemy to come in and, and, and try to steal, kill, and destroy what God has already established or, or distract us from what God has established or called us in our identity in him. God is wanting us to be good stewards of time, that we, we manage our time wisely and take opportunities that we have given to glorify him in the way that we worship, in the way that we live out our lives, that we would glorify him and direct our mindsets towards him. One of the people that did this the best was, was David, King David. Many of you know King David as a man who was after God's own heart. And, and I believe in Psalm 16, eight through nine, he, he describes exactly how important it is to constantly have God in his mind. He says this, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. The most basic thing that we can and must do is to keep God before our minds, just like David is saying here. How important it is for us to constantly have him on our minds. Man, how would our days change? How, how would our moments change if we continuously redirected our mindsets towards Jesus? How would that impact our lives? Think about that for a moment. How would it impact our lives if in a moment of distress or, or, or anxiety that we would redirect and shift our eyes onto Jesus and reminding ourselves of who he is, that he is at our right hand, that he hasn't failed us and he never will, as we just sang about this morning. Dallas Willard is a pastor, a professor, and, and I read one of his articles this week preparing for, for this. And, and I love his idea or, or, or his a uh, message on, on the presence of being in the presence of God. And, and I want to read just a small excerpt from, from this passage because I think it's very powerful. He says that, that the constant, uh, having God constantly in our mind, that this is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and to redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things that are less than God. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. 
Therefore, a new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, then he will become the pole star of our inward beings. Man, what a great picture of a compass that constantly is, is, is pointing towards north and how our souls are constantly longing and trying to point us towards a God who loves us so much. That these habits, bad or good, that, that regardless, we need to shift them so that they continuously point to Jesus, so that our minds would continuously point to Jesus. And here's what I mean when we talk about worshiping in that time. I'm not talking about, again, coming on a Sunday morning because we need to have the conviction that worship is a lifestyle, okay? That it's not a moment in one particular time, but that our lives are to be dedicated to the worship and service of God. That worship is more than a temporary experience that we have here, right? That it's constant inner praises to the God of scripture expressed in prayer in song, in service, in giving, and in living. So my question for us this morning is simple. Do you worship God constantly? Do you worship him in every moment of every day? And I'm not saying on the way to work, you turn on 96.9, you're singing out loud in your car, right? But I'm asking, what do you do after your gath the gatherings here on Sunday mornings and you go to lunch, right? Do you sit there and everyone's on their phone just going about their day, checking the score, whatnot. Again, I'm not asking you to stand up in the middle of the semester and start singing, you know, hymns or whatever, and everyone's freaked out. No, I'm asking, what do you do in your spare times instead of worshiping God? What would it look like if you actually gathered your family over lunch and said, hey, put your phones away. What did you think about the verse that we just heard on Sunday morning? What tugged at your heart when, when the preacher said that you are to worship constantly? What if we had that type of mentality, church? How would our Sundays look different? How would our week look different if we continuously use our time instead of on a lunch break to watch an episode of whatever podcast or whatever, that we use our time to shift our mind on Jesus and say, Lord, thank you for this morning from nine to 12. And now in this lunch hour, I want to praise you. And I want to, I want to know more about you. I want to get closer to you. Right. And yes, that can include songs. That's fine. But, but reading scripture, right. Prayer, living, giving, whatever it may be. How do we use our time? Do we spend it wisely? We're called to be good stewards of our time. We're called to worship constantly. But the good news is this, is that you don't have the power to do that on your own. Okay. You can't all of a sudden, like I thought I could on, on Monday morning, shift your mentality and all of a sudden be the greatest worshiper of all time. No, you have to take steps towards it. And the first step that you need to take is you need to lean into the spirit that God has given us. Because true worship is powered by the spirit. True worship is powered by the spirit, not within our own strength. Verse 17 says this. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. 
We rely on the gift of the spirit to give us power to worship truly. There's no way that we could do it constantly, but he's given us the spirit that's always speaking to us. The question is, are we listening? Are we leaning into it? Or are we relying on our own strengths and say, hey, spirit, that's great, but I I really like this song. I'm going to listen to this instead, right? People, man, one of the greatest songs of all time was Oceans, right? And they said, Spirit, lead me uh, to, to a place without borders, whatever not. And like, when you look into that song, it's, it's calling you to die, if you think about it. Because God is, is calling you without borders. It means give me your whole life. We can sing it all day long. That's fine. But will we act upon it? Will we actually fall in obedience to the songs that we're talking about? That's my question for us. And the thing is, we can't on our own power. We have to rely on the Spirit for that strength. But how do we get filled by the Spirit? Well, I think there are many ways in Scripture that Paul demonstrates how we are to ask to be filled by the Spirit. And I think the first thing that we notice is prayer. Prayer is such a powerful tool, amen? Do we believe that or not? And if we do, then why aren't we doing it more often? I was so blessed by by Brother Dan this week uh, who, who's now volunteering with us and, and just, you know, wanting to see Calvary do good things and is giving up his time to just help us come together for that. And, and he, 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 told, he tells me that in his growth group, he prays for each person or their group prays for each person by name. Man, that is powerful to know that someone is praying for me by name, that there's an intentional seeking of asking for the spirit to fill our church, to fill our brothers, to fill our sisters. Paul demonstrates it in his, in his letter to the church in Ephesus in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 14 says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father. I kneel before him from whom every family is in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray, right, that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being. How often do we pray for the spirit to give us power? The power that he has already promised us. How often do we pray for others to be filled with the spirit? Right? Because through that we receive faith, we believe, and the way that we get to the faith and believing is through hearing his word itself. Romans 10, 17 says this, consequently faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. How often do we hear the message? How often do we read his word that has so many truths? When was the last time you looked in the mirror and recited scripture over yourself and said, hey, remind yourself that you are a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. You're, or, or you look in the mirror and say, hey, just remind yourself, you're no longer a slave to sin. Remember that. Jesus has promised because of of him that you're no longer a slave to sin. And then after that, how often do you go to a brother or sister and say, hey, I prayed for you this morning and I want to remind you, right, that Jesus loves you, that you're his child, that brighter days are coming. How often do we do that within our community? How often do we ask for the spirit to give us power? And you can substitute do not get drunk on wine with anything you want. Do not, do not spend too much time on your phone. Do not watch too much Netflix. Do not, uh, 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 you know, go golfing all the time. I'm talking to myself right now. Uh, do not, you know, don't, don't fill yourself with things that will only lead to nothing. Right? 
Don't fill yourself with stuff that isn't going to, to do anything but lower you down or, or bring you down. We're to be filled with the Spirit. And some of us, I think, are, are, are filling ourselves with things that we don't need. So sometimes I, I want to imagine that, that we're kind of like these two balloons, right? It was my father-in-law's birthday yesterday, and I didn't give it to him. I kept them because I said this would be a good illustration. Um, I'm just kidding. I gave him, I gave him a gift. But I think about these two balloons. They look the same. They're both blue. You know, you can say that, let's say these balloons are both believers. We know their identity. They, they come to Calvary. They're, they're invested. That's great. That's awesome. Um, but one of these balloons isn't necessarily relying on the spirit, but is relying on everything that they do. They go to Bible study, they read, they pray, they go to church, they give. They're relying on everything except for the Spirit. And what ends up happening, though, is as we fill our lives, you will see two different people. You will see someone who's being lifted up or someone who continues to sink. Why? Because we are relying on things, filling our minds, our souls with stuff that doesn't lead to anything but death instead of relying on the scripture. And notice that this balloon is wanting to, to tug me to something bigger, right? This balloon is going up and it's, and it's representing the spirit that's supposed to be filled, that we're supposed to be filled by. And it's saying, hey, look up. I'm guiding you and directing you to look at your father who loves you and cares for you. Do not let the things of the world bring you down, but look up. Fill yourself with my spirit and direct your eyes upon Jesus who loves you, who cares for you. This is your true worship, that it's powered by my spirit and spirit alone. So my question for us is, what are we filling our lives with? What are we constantly thinking about? What are we constantly listening to? Because at the end of the day, that's not what we're made for. We're made for something very big. We were made for true worship. True worship is what we were made for. The end of verse 19 and 20, it says this, sing and make music from the, uh, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we're made for, to sing, make music from our heart in the ways that we live out our lives, giving thanks to God the Father for everything. There's an artist by the name of Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish is a very famous artist. She actually started at a very young age. I think she was 15, maybe even 14, when she started to get popular. And all of a sudden, she received crazy amounts of fame. And, and I mean, she just blew up, right? And over the last four years, and she's only like, I think, 21 now. She's still very, very young. Um, gifted singer, uh, is not a believer. Is from the secular world, right? And recently, one of her most popular songs was, was actually written for a movie, a, a, a Barbie movie that came out in, in the summer. And the song is called What I Was Made For. That's the name of the song. And I was reading an article about it, and, and she, she mentions how, you know, at first she was just writing the song for the movie because she was hired to do that. And, and then she realized that as she was writing the song and listening back to it, she was actually talking about herself that there was something about this song that came out from within her own experience. I mean, imagine a young girl at age 15, all of a sudden getting all the fame, thinking that people love her, thinking that people just worship her, and all of a sudden realizing, wait a minute, what am I made for? 
In the song, it says that she used to flow and now she falls down and she realizes that, that she's just something that you paid for. That you're just, I'm just someone that you paid it to, be, to, to entertain you. You don't know me. And she's wrestling with this question of what am I made for? What is my purpose? And I think that that's a question that so many people of all generation, generations are asking, what are we made for? And I'm reading this and my heart's breaking and I'm saying, I have the answer. I know exactly what you've been made for. I know that that longing, that tugging in your heart that's, that's wanting to go somewhere, it's wanting to go to God because you were designed to worship him. We were made to worship God. That's the answer. If only you could see, if only someone could, could point you to Jesus and, and remind you that you're, you're, you're beautifully designed. You bear his image because you were created to worship him in relationship, in communion, walking out every step of the way with him. That's what you were made for. And we see it in scripture in Genesis 1, 26, when, when God makes mankind, he establishes exactly what creation was made for. It says in Roman, uh, Genesis 1, 26, he says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. They were made to worship God. How? How? By ruling over the fish, by ruling, by having dominion over what God prepared, by enjoying God. That's what they were made for. Their true worship is enjoying Jesus and what he has prepared for us through work, through service, through singing, through prayer, every aspect of our lives. Romans 12 verse one says this, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is what you were made for. That every aspect of your life, whatever you do, whatever it is that you glorify God, whether it's in business, in your academics, in your career, whatever it is, you glorify God every single moment. Because of how blessed you are, you point to people of where that blessing comes from. This is your true worship. And there's only one person who ever gave us the best example. There's only one person who lived this out perfectly, and his name is Jesus. He is the one who was a living sacrifice. He is the one who is holy. He is the one who is pleasing to God. He is the one who gifted us what it looks like to have true and proper worship. May I submit to you, friends, that thriving in worship is simply living out what we were made for. That in every aspect of our life, it would act as a living sacrifice that points everyone and everything to Jesus. That thriving has nothing to do with our own personal gain, but everything to do with glorifying to the one who is worthy of all the honor, praise, and glory. That is thriving in worship, living out our lives in the way that God designed us to live out our lives. And that one day, one day, we could recite this psalm in Psalm 90, verse 14, over ourselves, over our children, everyone, that, that, that the Lord would satisfy us in the morning with his unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. That we would enjoy being with Jesus. That we, we would enjoy 
worshiping God constantly, that we would enjoy being filled by the Spirit, and that we would enjoy living out what we were made to do. May you go and worship our King with reverence, with excitement, with obedience, by living out the relationship that Jesus has established with us. That the power to live at the center of God's will is given to us as we worship him. That the power to live life to the fullest is found in the practice of worship. That we were created to worship God and we can tap into his divine power only when we consistently worship him. And maybe some of you need to just take that first step and saying, how do I do this? Come to know Jesus. Surrender your life to him, to the one who loves you, to the one who's able to give you life because he is life himself, to the one who laid down his life so that you would be saved. Come to know him. And if you know him, come to to, to surrender the things that, that keep you away from constant worship. Surrender the things that are in your heart that say, this is keeping me from worshiping you constantly, Lord. Maybe you're relying on your own strength. Surrender, Surrender that to him and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit right now. I need you to fill me with your spirit so that we would all live out what we were designed to do. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for this reminder of what true worship looks like, that it's more than a song, that it's so powerful, that it's a gift that you've given us, not only to sustain us, but to thrive in. And that we can continue to worship you and praise you in every aspect of our lives with everything that we do. Everything that we do points to you, Jesus. May it point to you. Father, may we remember to love one another well, to pray for each other, that there's power in prayer, that we live out the calling that you have on our life. Lord, I pray that anyone that doesn't know you would come to know you right now in a very real way. And for those of us who do know you, Jesus, that we would come to rely on your spirit for strength as we continue to navigate this thing called life that you've blessed us with. And that our lives would be a living sacrifice that worship and points to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.